We have gone through um, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and um, starting today in in Colossians. I hope you've been been uh, um, you know reading along. It, it uh, they are incredible. The middle gospel or the middle epistles are incredibly uh, poignant as all the Word of God is. But this, I, I find. Um, for the church, they are almost like the backbone of the church, uh, as far as structure and uh, and I love the progression. If you've even the way um, they were placed in the canon in the scripture, uh, Galatians being the first one, and in Galatians, uh, um, Paul or the Spirit of God addressing the Galatian church about some very. Uh, carnal practices about the law and grace and, and how people thinking they're going to be justified by works and just very, from a very natural standpoint. And it progressively gets more spiritually minded from Galatians to Ephesians, the working of the body, Philippians, you know, that spiritual life. But Colossians is a book of revelation. It, it is just an incredible, you know, powerful, uh, book and it, and it is so, um, uh, the depth of spiritual understanding as well in all of it. But I just, I just have come to a new appreciation. The reality of it is Paul never went there. He, he, you know, so him, um, his, uh, apostleship. Can you imagine him never having a relationship in, in a personal relationship in the church? Uh, of Colossus, but yet they counted him as the apostle and, and uh, uh, just the gifting of that day and that time. Uh, the church at that time was so unified, it was absolutely amazing. So I just want to start by reading down through here and just, uh, if you haven't read it, I want you to uh, get a picture of what's going on. It says, Paul, an apostle, of Christ Jesus by God's will and Timothy, our brother to the saints, uh, in Christ at Colossus, who are faithful brothers, grace and peace, uh, grace to you and peace from God our Father. I, again, I can't overemphasize every epistle that, that Paul writes or that the Spirit anointed, the overwhelming, the, the beginning of the message is grace to you. The beginning of the message is peace. God's will for your life is to receive what? Grace and peace. If you're not, if you're not walking in the grace of God, and what is God's grace? What is it? Unmerited, He just favors you. If you're here today and you don't feel favored by God, either God's wrong or who's, or you're wrong. Who do you think's wrong? Okay? Who do you think is wrong? If, if you're not walking in God's favor, you're wrong because he's not. Right? You say, well, I don't feel favored. Well, there's a law of sowing and reaping in our lives. You sow the right thing, you'll reap the right thing. So the reality of it is grace and peace is, is the beginning. Every day, every epistle, but I, I'm convinced every day. So he goes on and he says, we thank, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love of all, uh, love, love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved 
for you in heaven. Uh, uh, Let me read that again. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope and the message of the truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world just as as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in truth. You have learned from, uh, how do we pronounce his name? Epaphras, our dearly beloved fellow slave, he is a faithful servant of the Messiah on your behalf, and he has told us all about your love in the Spirit. So, Paul's relationship with the church was through Epaphras. It was this uh, relationship based on somebody's testimony. And um, uh, he, they're thanking God. And so, Here's the meat of the first chapter, and this is what he says. He said, for this reason, having heard all this and the love that you have and uh, your faithfulness, he said, we've not stopped praying for you. I want to I say this. There are prayers that we pray that are incredibly effective and powerful and because they're biblical prayers. All right, there's prayers that we pray sometimes that are incredibly shallow, and really almost carnal, you know, a, a lot of time. And it's not that God doesn't, you know, uh, um, care about the little things in our life. I believe he does. But it's it, it, oftentimes it's like, remember when your kids were little and they would, any scratch or any little thing, they'd come up and they got a boo-boo and they want you to kiss it. Right? Anybody ever have that happen? Okay. And... So often our prayers to God are that way because we're praying so shallow. And I almost think, and yeah, does he comfort and care for us in that moment? Sure he does. But but the reality of it is there are prayers to be prayed that are absolutely, that have a depth of spiritual life to them. And here's one, you can never go wrong by praying biblical prayers. And so if you're wondering, well, what is a biblical prayer? Here's one. Here, here's one that you could memorize and then, and then in your prayer, you know, speak it out. It says, for this reason, also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking. This is the prayer. What are you asking for? He said, we are asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. All right? So, how would you craft that prayer? What would you say to bring that into your own prayer life? Or what would you say if you're praying for my brother or sister? If you want to pray for me, don't pray for, you know, uh, earthly things. Pray for this stuff. So we're, we're, we're asking that you may be filled. Say, Lord, and if you don't want to pray for yourself, say, Lord, fill pastor uh, with, with the knowledge of your will. Let your wisdom touch his life. Again, what greater prayer to pray if you got loved ones, if you got family members? You know, God, we're into this fix-it mode. Lord, would you fix this? Would you fix that? Would you make them think different about that? Well, the, the, the reality of it is, you know, God, I'm asking that you would fill uh, them with the knowledge of your will. 
How powerful is that? Sometimes our prayers can be uh, on, um, a desire or an act of manipulation sometimes. Not saying all the time, but we want to manipulate something to our will. When, when, how many know sometimes our will and his will are, you know, sometimes opposed or what we think's best? God knows what's best, right? So when he, so the, the, the prayers that are, prayers that are powerful, that are answered, God, um, we're asking that we may be filled, that they may be filled or I may be filled with the knowledge of your will. How many times do I, in my prayer, uh, and I go through the Lord's Prayer so often, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you don't pray because you don't know how to pray. There's some people that don't pray because they don't know how to pray. What do I pray? You know, do I get the lawn? Do I get the grocery list out? Do this, don't, you know, give me that, give me that, give me that, give me that. There, there's, there's incredibly deep, powerful, moving, heaven-moving prayers to be prayed. But knowing how to pray, you, and you're breaking down the Lord's Prayer where he said, um, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not that you repeat that over and over again. It's the reality when I come into the presence of God, it's always, Lord, your name is holy. I lift you up. You're my Father in heaven. That denotes a relationship, a protector, provider. Thank you. I can pray for ten minutes on that one. My Father, which art in heaven, holy is your name. But, but getting to this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Every time. That I have time and, and make time and come to a prayer meeting or in the prayer meeting there or in my personal prayer life. It's, Lord, your will is done in heaven. You have dominion there. there there's, there's order all around us. Father, let your will be done in earth. And how, how broad and how long and how wide can you go with that prayer request? Your will be done on earth. Your will be done in the lives of those around us. Your will be done. If you want to pray for the will of God, I just found out uh, as she's leaving the service, uh, Jeannie, the girl that was a few years behind me in uh, high school, uh, she's got 10 people coming to Cool Beans on Wednesday night. Cool Beans is going to be closed. Her husband owns the Cool Beans. And we're having a Bible study. Ten new souls. You know what my prayer is? Lord, your will be done on earth. Your will be done. What is the will of God? It's not the will of God that any should perish. But that they should come to repentance. Hey, what's your will, God? And so I begin to pray, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, well, I don't have anything to pray about. Think about it, folks. Your will be done with your stepdad. Your will be done with your wife. Your will be done with your children. God, I want your will. And and then you're trying, in that moment, as you're, you're, uh, we're asking you to be filled with all knowledge of his will. Lord, what is the will? I want want to go into that uh, Bible study Wednesday night and God reveal the knowledge of your will to go on in that. 
I don't want to go crack open some Bible study and, and say, here, you know, let me show you. I don't want to do that. God, there is a specific personal will that you have for people that are there. And I want, I'm convinced that we can have the knowledge of his will. Well, I don't know if we can do, I don't think I can do that. Dude, are you favored or not? Are you favored, ma'am, sister, brother? Are you favored? Yes. If I'm favored, then he's going to, he's going to give me the knowledge of his will. So I, to pray that prayer, and, and so, so it says, we're asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. How often do I pray? God, the mind of Christ, give me spiritual understanding. Give me that wisdom. There, there alone is a prayer that could take you f- hour, hours, time, I don't have anything to pray about. No, you just don't. You're not. You're not really knowing. You're, you become frustrated. We become frustrated with prayers because we're praying tiny, tiny things. We're just, you know, kiss my boo boo. Come on, man. There's so much more God's wanting to do and wanting us to interact with in His kingdom. I, I'm going to tell you, He wants to answer. I don't even know these people that I'm going to teach a Bible study, but I do know he wants to already intervene in their life. And you know what happens? I get to be part of the mission. There is nothing cooler than that. Nothing. And so I get to pray the prayers. God, you know, open my mind. And you know what I can expect? You know, people are all freaked out. Oh, what are you going to say? What are you going to... I'm going to tell you what. My my mind is going to be flooded with His Word. It's absolute. I, well, you're going to study. You're going to do... No, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to rebuke every thought till I get there. Just so that when I'm there, because I am so convinced, God... Jeannie says to me, not my Jeannie, but this other Jeannie, she says, uh, Wait, you got a gift. And, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm all humble. Yes, I do. Why? So that I can walk around and say, I have a gift. No, I have a gift because there's a mission that God, and the gift is for those that will hear it. It's not for me. And I, and I get to participate in the mission. That, that, is, a, that is just stunning, spectacular. But but the reality of it is, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm mixing the message today. There's so much I wanted to say there. We, and the Bible says in a great house, there are many vessels. Did you ever read that scripture? It says some to honor and to some to dishonor. And we get to, according to that scripture, if you look at that, it says if anybody would cleanse himself or, or there, there is a way to make yourself a vessel of honor, a vessel that God can use, you will be used one way or another. But I am convinced it's where we involve ourselves in spiritually. In other words, do we engage in those uh, and that spiritual life. Are we stuck in Galatians? Where, man, it's the law. 
You know, it, it's, 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 you know, we get this idea in, in the progression of these epistles, or do we get to the place where we're now, we're now spiritually where we are asking to be filled with all the knowledge of His will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding? Have you ever prayed those prayers? God, I need a new job. I need a new car. I need, I need, you know, I need, I need, I need. There's no end of our needs. But you start praying these kind of prayers. Watch what happens in your life and the lives of those around you. It says, uh, says, so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints. That is an incredible mouthful. There's just so much there to unpack. It would take, would take days and days. But the reality of it is, um, oh, you can walk fully pleasing Him. And you can bear fruit to every good work. You can grow in the knowledge of God. That, you know, I, how many have ever got to the place where you feel like you're stuck in a rut? You know, well, okay, maybe it's time to get hungry again. Maybe it's time to, to, to do some things. You know, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Change something. It may be time to do that four-letter word fast. You know, it may be time to sacrifice a little bit. Remember when you used to do that and things would change? You know, and again, we can get so, you know, thinking that, that uh, well, you know, maybe it's past my time and all this. I am convinced, and I'm, I'm, not, I'm convinced, the greatest day, days of my life are ahead of me. I'm absolutely convinced of that. And, and uh, that the, the knowledge of God is just going to grow. And the grace of God and the fruit, uh, you know, of my life. There's just things. Uh, good works. It says, uh, so that you may be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, not your own, for all endurance, patience, with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has enabled you to share in the saints. Inheritance in the light. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transformed us into the kingdom of His Son, uh, he, of the Son He loves. We have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in Him. How many believe that? We have redemption. We have redemption. We have the forgiveness of sins in Him. It's already done. We're, we're, we're in that kingdom. Uh, I, let, me, let me just tell you this. Um, the reason revelation was coming to the church at Colossians, the reason revelation will come to you is if you live uh, with joy and a thankful heart. Um, it, if there's one thing that got God's dander up when the children of Israel uh, coming through the Red Sea, and wandered all those years as they complained about everything. 
I'm going to say it again. Is everything right in your life? No. Will it ever be? Probably not. Not until we close our eyes and leave this world is not our home. But having a thankful heart is 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 an is a, is the fertilizer of faith. Man, it causes that seed to grow. It causes it causes you to bear fruit. It is what produces joy. Is life hard? Certainly, it's hard. It, you know, oh, it's bad here. It's bad there. No, it's not. Come on, have a thankful heart for what's what is what is going on in your life right now that you can thank God for. There's something, there's always something. What's going on in your life that you can complain about? There's always something. But somehow in your, it's, we get trained into thinking a certain way. You wake up in the morning in a cloud. Wake up in the morning and say, man, you know what? This is a good day. Oh, I got aches. I got pains. You're alive. You know, you got you got a day to worship. You got a day to rejoice. And, and I am convinced that if there is, if you want to change something and change the direction of your life, being thankful and being joyful is absolutely at the beginning of it for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. So he he says, uh, you know, he goes on now. So then he gets into which I absolutely love uh, this portion of Scripture in uh, the first chapter of Colossians. He just, he goes through that kind of an introduction and opening statement. Uh, But then he gets into the very depths of of relationship and understanding of Christ. And I think he does this because at at the very foundation of all spiritual understanding is the deity of Christ. Uh, It's understanding from Him flows all knowledge. Okay? Truth is not a set of doctrinal beliefs. Truth is a person. Okay? Tell me if I'm wrong here or not. Jesus said, I am the what? The way the truth, the truth is a person. In, in rela- having relationship and having right relationship with Him, it's absolutely essential for you to walk in the truth. You walk in relationship with Him. And there's so many ideas about who He is and what part He plays and where He is in the Godhead and, and, uh, Paul, by the Spirit of God, just brings it into such concise and clear focus in the book of Colossians. And, and here, here is what he says. He says, we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins in him. Uh, in verse 14, verse 15 says, he is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. Absolutely. Now, you're going to have to think for a minute here because it goes from uh, it, it seemingly contradictory statements here. All right. If he's the image of the invisible God, does God have a beginning or an end? All right. Then how can he be the firstborn over all creation? 
at the same time. And and these things have absolutely uh, have absolute answers in the scripture. But l- let me first. Uh, I'm going to read this, and then I'm going to b- go back and talk about it a little bit, and and leave place for questions. He's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by Him. Who created everything? Jesus, right? All right. And uh, in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether there be thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things are held together, or all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have the first place in everything. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, all whose fullness? God's, right? Dwell in him. So where does all God's fullness dwell in? In Christ. Okay. Just... So if I said all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily in Christ, is that a true statement? Okay. Is there any part of God that's not Jesus? No, there's not. Okay. okay. Uh, and through him, uh, all the fullness dwells in him, uh, and through him to reconcile everything to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross, whether things on earth or things in Heaven, okay, that is an absolute, we could spend a month talking about the deity of Christ. But I am convinced when we, um, people say, well, you don't believe in the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Of course I do. There's no question that God manifests himself as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I mean, come on, the scripture is full of that. You can't, you, you don't deny that. The, what I am convinced of and what I believe is that they are not three distinct separate persons. There, there's not three separate places of intellect. But there is one God who manifests himself. And, and to understand it, and for me, and if I, if this is causes confusion, that's not the point. And as you know, I don't have to talk about this every week. I don't have, we don't have to. The reality of it is, is, is when you come to know Jesus, that what's true, anything that lifts Jesus up is truth. Anything that diminishes him is not true. There are religious ideas that put him in a place of second or third place. As if there's this, you know, uh, conglomerate or this corporate headship. Jesus is, so here, here's, here it is. Let's say, let's go with some, an idea that there are, there are some religious beliefs that there are three separate persons. Okay, three separate manifestations and a totally different idea in thinking about this. I am a father. I am a son. I used to be a plumber. I mean, I have several different titles. I worked in those fields, and in, in, in the relationships were different, right? 
But I'm not, I'm the same person, right? Jesus, all right, as the Son of God was a manifestation, God, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. There was a manifestation that we got to behold, the Son of God. Uh, The question is, if God the Father is separate from Jesus, does he have a body? No, the scripture here says he is the image of what? God's invisible. When, uh, where was Jesus? I think it was uh, uh, the woman at the well in John chapter 4 when he said God is a spirit. God is a spirit. In other words, he doesn't have flesh and bone. He never had flesh and bones until Christ was born. Jesus becomes the image of the invisible. That's why in Isaiah 9 and 6, we're going to see it plastered all over the place here in just a few months. You know, unto us a son is uh, a child is born, a son is given, government be upon his shoulder, his name shall be called what? The mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Who was this Christ, this baby born, uh, the, as, and we beheld his glory, that of the only begotten of the Father? Full of, how can he be a son and yet at the same time be the image of the invisible of God? How could he be uh, begotten in a manger yet be the creator of all things? What happened to the early church is they began to question the deity of Christ. And, and, and so by the Spirit, Paul ha- writes this and says, look, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. I'm going to tell you, you may be shocked, but I'm convinced of this. When I finally walk through that gate and I look in the face of God, you know what I'm going to see? Jesus. Because that's the image. And from Him, the very presence and power of God be emulating, emulating, but like, like the sun just, everywhere at one time. But he is the image of the invisible. And so, you know, what we've been called oneness. I don't care what you call us. You know, I am convinced that Jesus is God. I know that to be true. That him, in him is all knowledge and truth flows. And, and, uh, do I recognize, and here's the part that all of th- those of us that believe that, I don't have to beat anybody up that doesn't quite understand that. I don't have to belittle them and, and uh, you know, well, you're, you know. How, how in the world are they ever going to stop long enough? We've, we've known people that do that. Maybe we've done it, but I don't want to do that anymore. It does. It's just not grace. It's not. It's not the favor of God. God wants to reveal His identity, not beat people with it. Right. And 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 the reality is, if you if you are a partaker and you are increasing in all wisdom and spiritual knowledge, then you become a partaker of His divine nature, and that flows through. And the fruit of that is in your life. And I'm telling you, that kind of fruit is attractive. 
and, and people want to know what you what why, why is that different? People want you to come to a Bible study. People will want to hear what you have to say. I don't have to to you know getting this you know um, defend God anymore. I don't have to do that. I want what I want to do is is to walk in that prayer that Paul prayed for the church. So he's the image of the invisible. Let's see if I got enough time to get into all this. Does God live in time? You believe that? He lives outside of time, right? All right. So in the beginning, who created everything? Who did? Jesus, right? All things are created by him. Is that what that says? But if you go to Genesis chapter 1, it says, In the beginning, God created why does it say in the beginning Jesus created? Because Jesus hadn't been born yet. How did he create if he hadn't been born yet? Right? Because he's God. Are you confused yet? Okay. Let me work on it. All right. He gets down through there and, he, and so he, he um, uh, puts all the animals, I don't know, forms them and doesn't breathe in them, but they, they're alive and then he... Then he forms uh, uh, man, and he says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Did you ever have anybody pull that one out? Okay, what, what image does the invisible God have? Jesus. Well, but if Jesus wasn't born yet, how could he... How could he make that image? See, we're limited by time, and it's linear, and it goes this way. God calls those things that are not as though they were, and he looked ahead thousands of years and says, that's the image that I want to create right now. Is that possible? I'm just asking. Is that possible? Is that how he could say, let us make man in our image? What, what image? Because Christ is the image. He's the image of the invisible God. But that didn't happen yet, but God... What does that matter to God? Right? It doesn't matter to God, but I can look at that and say, hey, let's start it over here. We'll form him, breathe breath of life, boom. And man becomes a living soul, and then and then thousands of years later, some 4,000 years later, Christ is born in that very image that started it all. The first, why was he the firstborn? Of all creation. Think about this. The scripture says that Christ was crucified from where? The foundation of the world. Before he ever said, let there be light, there was a plan. So that means that before he ever said, let there be light, he knew there would be sin. And he created it anyway. Why? That's a whole nother Bible study. But the reality of it is, he says, let there be light. Before all of that, he, he knew he was going to have to come as a Savior. Christ being crucified from the foundation of the world. He was the firstborn of overall creation. Before God ever spoke it into existence, he said, there's going to need to... Let's start with the first thing. There's going to need to be a Savior. And I'm at... Okay, now let's go on with all of creation. 
Did Christ exist? Yeah, because God existed. Did the body exist? No. The body was begotten. Okay, am I confusing anybody yet? Okay. Then the babe is born. You know, can you fit all of God in a six-foot frame, whatever, how big he was? I don't know. Of course not. But all that was in Christ was God. But after he was glorified, the Bible says all the fullness of the Godhead dwells in him right now. And that was and the way it says it, it pleased God that in him all the fullness was God. In other words, it was his plan all along that he would be, this would be the image, that we would be able to communicate, to have fellowship, to have a relationship with the way, the truth, and the life. Um, that, that truth, that truth is what I am convinced is foundational to all spiritual wisdom and knowledge. I, I, you know, and I'm not saying that God does not reveal things when we are walking in less than all that's true. He does. There are, there are people that doesn't, don't have a clear concept of him that, that have some understanding. You can't discount everything that everybody says or, or think that we're spiritually superior. You don't have that knowledge. I'm going to tell you this. You don't have that knowledge except that he's given it to you. I can't say I'm better than you because I know it and you don't. I've not, you can't say any of that. So, again, the deity of Christ, well, see, what do you, you, you know, I've, I've been, people told me, you deny the Father. No, I don't. If you've heard my prayer, I'm always praying relationally. Father, thank you. Because he's my father. You know, and I, and I, I, can, I can pray that prayer, and, and, and it's totally the, the relationship that we have. And, uh, but the reality of it is, if you were to, uh, uh, the name that's above every name. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus that is absolute, the, uh, uh, all the power of God. Anything you ask in my name, it's, it's, let every, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. We say, well, if there was another name of God, what would, there, what it, would it be? There isn't today, folks. The Father is not a name of God. That's a title. The Son is not a name of God. That's a title. The Holy Spirit's not the name. Jesus is the name that absolutely encompasses all three. And man, it makes it easy. You know, I've, I've heard people say, well, I've got to make sure I spend enough time praying to the Father, and enough time praying to the Son, and enough time praying to the Holy Ghost. It's like, are you kidding me? Come on, man. He, it's there. They are hero Israel. The Lord our God is what? One. He's one. Um. I believe that. That that's one place. Boom. The flag planted. Never moving. That's that's who we are. That's who I am. That's who I've known him to be. Um. So 
Is there a question or comment about that before I move on? I love it when I so completely cover something that you're speechless. Any questions? That's why, I, you know, in Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, where Jesus says, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel of a creature. Now, that's, that's Matthew 16, or Mark. Um, let's see. Let me get to it. Matthew chapter 19, or um, 28 and verse 19. There we go. He says, uh, Jesus came near to them, and he said, All authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. If all authority is given to him on heaven, uh, to me in heaven and in earth, how much is left? If Jesus has all authority, how much is left? None. Right? Okay, so he, his declaration was, all authority is given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name. Okay, I don't know, and you got to look this up. In the name of, okay, and I'm, I'm, if you can look this up in your Bible, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all na- nations, baptizing them in the name, not names, the singular name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. If you go from that, that was the Great Commission. Do you realize the disciples, the apostles took that commandment and every time they baptized somebody in the book of Acts, you know how they did it? In Jesus' name. Why? Because they knew, they had this understanding, they were one God Jews. They were like Thomas when, when Jesus walked into the room. He said, my Lord and my God. He wasn't like an explanation cussing. He was calling Jesus, my Lord and my God. It's like, oh my goodness, you're bigger than I thought you were. You're, you're more than who I thought you were. And so when Jesus tells them to go baptize in the name of, if there were three separate entities, he would have said, go baptize in the names of. But the Father's not a name, the Son's not the name, neither is the Holy Spirit. That's why when you see the early church, every account of them being water baptized or baptizing somebody, it was in the name of Jesus. Why do we are we buried in the name of Jesus? Because Romans chapter 6 says we are buried with Him. Why would you go down in another's name? We're buried with Him. And again, I, I to me, that's a place where I, I don't have to have everybody understand every, you know, the same degree of understanding that you might have, or maybe you don't have it. But, but the reality is the power of God is in the name of Jesus. And... That's that, that part of it. So, uh, if you have any questions about that, I would love, you know, I'd love to, to delve in. Again, there's so much Scripture that would uh, uh, go along with that. So, let me see, how much time have I got? Not much. I'm going to leave it open to questions, and I'm going to have 
We'll finish this one next week. Oh, boy, that's a good point. You can't pick that up. The mystery. I don't have enough time. Okay. All right. The the whole point of this. Now, okay, no, I'm going to talk about it real quick. Listen to this. Listen to this. If there's no... Now, you will. All right. Because here, here it says, I re- rejoice in my sufferings, yada, yada, yada. He says, verse 26, the mystery hidden from ages and generations now revealed to the saints. God wanted to make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is, what's the mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. That is it, folks. Okay, I'm only going to leave you with this, and that's going to finish it next week. Listen to this. Most of us have been told, being filled with the Holy Ghost, speaking in tongues, it's the beginning and the end. And then if you got a problem, you got to just speak in tongues more. I'm going to tell you something. I am glad I speak in tongues more than anybody. Okay? But the point of being, having this mystery, uh, having Christ in you, the hope of glory, is way more than just speaking in tongues. Okay? It's way more. If you've never spoken in tongues, I believe it's for you. I do. Okay? But I'm here to tell you, those of you that think that's the end-all, do-all, you're missing out. Having Christ in you, the hope of glory, is way more than having a, a heavenly language to speak. We get to participate in the mission. We get, we are literally, we are the body of Christ. That will blow your mind if you think about it. We are the body of Christ. We are. That's the hope of glory. That's the mystery that's been hid from ages. Everybody, oh, they're all, you know, uh, uh, I want to say wigged out. That's not the right word. But all said he's being crucified. But he said, look, if I don't go away, this isn't going to come to pass. And his body, man, was dispersed amongst us. Yeah, too much there. But that is the hope. And and, and having a connection. Okay, okay, wait, wait, wait. Let, let me back up one more time, and then I, I'm just going to say, says, God wanted to make this mystery, make known among the Gentiles the glorious wealth of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Okay, let me ask you this. When... On the day of Pentecost, what did they receive? The baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Christ in me. How, how, how can that be It's two, if it's two different persons? Just saying, okay? There's just, there's just one here. And what's in me is Christ. Okay? The Holy Ghost, the Father, all the fullness I get it gets to dwell as resident in me. All right. Questions, comments, you got like thirty seconds. Where Yes. Yes, he is an enabler. Without it we are not able. He's enabled. Awesome. He is an enabler. 
Amen. Father, thank you for your word in our life. God, in all of this, I, I, I don't say it to be spiritually better than anybody. But I want you to be lifted up. And I want the name of Jesus to be magnified in this world. I want your body, the body of Christ, Lord Jesus, to take its rightful place right here, right now, in upstate New York. And I, Father, I, I uh, just commit my ways to that. I speak it today. I speak your blessing upon each and every one as we're blessed by your word. In Jesus' name.